0: Hello, and welcome to The Kink Perspective. My name is Chris. I'm a psychotherapist and consultant. On this episode, I want to talk a little bit about something different. Some sort of our one special thing that BDSM practitioners or our community in general, it's kind of a superpower of ours. It's learning to deal with rejection and how we go about it through the art of our negotiations our interactions our discussions even those fears that we have one great thing about bdsm that it teaches us is that we end up becoming more resilient over time in how to deal with uh being rejected we learn over time that interactions with other people when we're discussing scenes and they're talking about where their limitations are, what they're willing to get involved in, the things they're not that we may be particularly fond of, although they're a small rejection, we learn to build up that wall within ourselves so that we don't have to worry about the fear anymore of whether or not rejection is going to sting on the same level that it normally does in the vanilla world. So kind of a small story here. So a man goes out. See, he's at a bar, sees a woman, walks up to her, engages in some typical small talk. While that banter may last a couple of minutes, especially during that awkward exchange, we know inevitability has will come up that there's going to be a question. Would you like to get a drink? Would you like to have a dance? Would you like to go sit and talk? All that nerves, those anxieties, that stress builds up in that moment. Massive amounts of cortisol in our Physiological response. What ends up happening, though, know, nine times out of ten, when that guy doesn't succeed, his ego is a little deflated, right? And it's not just this. Isn't just something that is specific to men. This is also obviously rejection happens a lot with um, in both sexes. Women experience rejection as well. Now, what ends up happening is we take a hit to our ego. We're We take a hit to our confidence. We tend now to withdraw a little bit into ourselves. We're not so sure about, you know, was it what we said? Is it how we looked? Even, you know, the perfume or cologne we were wearing. Something that set off a potential partner. In the world of BDSM, though, we've learned that over time, as we start to interact and find people of a like mind, that... We go through our negotiations, we go through all of these phases, and we learn how to be better at rejection. We learn how to accept when somebody says no, or I'm not interested, or ends up walking away. We no longer take it personally. And it's interesting when we start to look at these things about how they reflect upon us. Now, there have been a lot of stories, as we know, and I enjoy studying history. You know, we start looking at ancient Mesopotamia, we look at Greece, we look at Rome, we look at all these depictions where sex and what would be probably accepted today as a lot for the most part, not every one of their activities, but would be honestly. A lot of these ideas that we have now that we think are so revolutionary, that we think that are so on the forefront of the sexual revolution were, quite honestly, already done thousands of years ago. We know that BDSM, for a little bit of a history lesson here, doesn't just, doesn't really, although the terminology was coined in the last, within the last hundred years, I think the 1960s, we know these, that these practices these arts that have been passed down through generations have gone on well before Marquis de Sade was ever around we know that uh after Marquis de Sade we know about Masoch um he was an austrian gentleman i don't want to get too much into all that because what i really want to kind of focus on is when we start to look at rejection and how these ideas when we're we're talking to someone and in turn through rejection we build our confidence we build that art to realize hey it's not us they're just not into what we like and that's okay and we're no longer taking that rejection on a personal level or on a confidence level we start to move forward when i start when I do give some of my classes, or I've interacted with groups, I I talk about the art of negotiation and really learning to compromise between the things we want, the things our partner wants, and then somewhere in between, kind of like a Venn diagram, right? So you have these two circles and what's gonna overlap in the middle? There's another important area that I tend to go, and I've written about this before. I tend to look at also Three other things I look at when I've negotiated with people, negotiables, non-negotiables, and the unknown. And people will often ask me, well, you know, hey, Chris, isn't that the same as my limitations? Well, no. A negotiable, for example, is how often are we going to play? When are we going to play? What are we going to do? Are the scenes always going to be pre-negotiated? Are we going to conduct training? How much training? Are we going to attend? so on and so forth? You kind of get the idea of where I'm going with that. The negotiables become all of the things that we are putting into place just before we are ready to begin our activities, before we are ready to really start diving in to a dynamic then we move into the areas of non-negotiables. I tend to work this one actually first. I've kind of done this a little bit ass about face, so I do apologize. But the non-negotiable categories, by and large, one of the most important categories when I look at, um, when I talk about fear of rejection, but there are sometimes there are things that are in place. They are, by essence, non-negotiable. My health. With my slave, If some if I'm sick, it's a non-negotiable. We're not going to play. If she has to work, it's a non-negotiable. Same for family. Uh, same for education. For people who have children. These are all non-negotiable areas. Where the, dyna- the dynamic between dominance and submission isn't allowed to interfere. Through these complex negoc- negotiations, we learn that art of rejection. And rejection is an art because we have to understand that in that give and take, all of a sudden, we're going to lose something and how that's going to make us feel. If you find that your partner and you are negotiating something and it's you're starting to get frustrated at every turn, you have to learn to reassess what you're saying, what they're saying. And seeing if you're even on the same page. Do you have the same ideas about moving forward in a dynamic? And if it's even going to work. This is why negotiations, this is why getting to know someone for a couple of months is so important in the process. I always tell, I always tend to tell people don't rush a dynamic. You don't rush a relationship. You go out, you have drinks, you go to a movie, you do the typical first dates, maybe, or maybe. By date three or four, you're you you're starting your intimacy, and that's fine. But all of that takes place over months. So, and in the meantime, we're talking, we're texting, we're getting to know we're dro- someone, we're dropping emails or maybe Snapchatting or Instagramming, we're looking at all of their social media, we're getting to know our partner. But when we look at the BDSM world, because it's so much more complex and there's so many more moving parts, we really have to learn to talk. So as we're going through this process of negotiation, I can think of one time in particular where, you know, somebody was in school and they were in a graduate program and they didn't have the time. So it came down to, let's say, uh, I don't recall specifics, but, you know, like Tuesdays, Thursdays, and, and Sundays were only available. And, well, for the other party involved, those days didn't work. So on the outset, they're both hitting two walls where rejection is like, They're both interested. They both want to pursue this dynamic, but they're struggling to figure out how. So rejection sets in and then, you know, we start getting depressed or that anger comes in because we can't find that happy status quo that we're used to. And we might end up stopping a relationship or ceasing it just because we're letting that little bit of rejection get to us. As we move forward, as we continue our negotiations and work out our time differences, we start to become more resilient. As I kind of mentioned before, we don't start taking things personally. When I <clears throat> started looking through time, and I've, I've you know, I've read books, um, and i I've, I've seen different depictions of love throughout the centuries. There's always been some form of negotiation. Hell, even marriage back in the day was a financial transaction. It was a negotiation, right? This king will marry this princess and it will strengthen the alliance between two parties. So we learned to negotiate and we also learned that, you know, hey, we're marrying this person, but they may not love me. So if anything, it's a... It's a contractual marriage, and we may develop feelings for one party, might develop feelings for the other, and the other may not, and we have to learn to live with that rejection. Again, I don't want to digress too much with too much history. But as we move through time, as we look at, you know, hey, there's somebody I want to start inflicting pain upon. I, I really can't wait to flog them. We also learn that sometimes we find out, you know, hey, I'm not a masochist. I don't want to be punished. Hey, I'm not really um, into corporal punishment. I'm more of, you know, a sweet submissive or a service submissive. I'm not into that. So sadists looking for possibly a maso might, you know, could take it aback by, running into someone they find that they're very interested in, that has nothing to do that's going to fulfill their needs. Do they walk away or don't they? Well, that becomes a whole different discussion. But even through all of this resiliency, through all of this time, as humans have evolved over thousands of years, we have learned that through all of these relationships, through all of these give and takes, we've learned how to be more resilient to rejection. And it provides us with a lot of power within ourselves because we learn that I can talk to you, one person, about how I feel. And even if they say no, that's okay because I've at least expressed my interest. They're not going to judge me for my interest. They're not going to tell me I'm wrong or that I'm crazy because we're both in a community or you know, whatever under the fetish umbrella you want to be, BDSM, DDLG the leather community, high protocol, we're not going to take it personally. They're going to understand. We now know that uh, moving forward, as we start to look at what's conflated a lot of the issues and why rejection has its seemingly stymied a little bit, I guess is the best phrase to kind of call it, is because we've seen through the rise of, of books, especially like E.O. Cummings, that whole Fifty Shades of Stupid, that unfortunately, terrible depictions of the community or our marred history throughout time because it was associated with such deviant behavior has brought in a lot of people that don't seem to understand how the community works. And what this does is that instead of taking a hit to their ego and learning how to be rejected, they, certain people, and it can be male or female, end up going through the aggressive approach. They'll become distraught. They will become not only aggressive, but they'll become abusive. They'll become verbally abusive. They'll say things. They'll, you, they may start indicating signs of uh, degradation that are unwanted. So at one time, they were commenting on a photo and how attractive you were, beautiful abs, or, you know, that's a that's, you have a great chest as a woman, or a nice lingerie, or more, depending on the type of imagery or post they're commenting on, to now that because they're not able to quantify inside of themselves and haven't dealt with rejection enough or to the point they haven't learned how to process it, they're now becoming the other side where they're channeling that into a form of anger. And we see this in places in like social media, it's it's prevalent. Not just places like Twitter or Instagram, but even in the BDSM fetish or uh, leather communities. People will get rejected, they don't know how to handle it. Most times when I've seen this and I've tried to interact, I don't tend to ask them why they're angry. I actually tend to start asking them how long they've been in the community. What have they taken part in? What have they done that they consider as a contribution or gone to in events or, you know, trainings? And more often than not, that's where it starts to come down. They don't understand that through all of these things, that's how we learn, as in life, we learn about rejection. And we learn more from our failures than we do our successes. But when our failures turn of rejection from getting involved with somebody we really want to be involved with, to assertiveness, to anger, to frustration, to lashing out, we're now really are crossing a different kind of threshold. And that is the underside, that is the ugly side of rejection. Now, how do we learn to be better at it? What's the secret? Well, there is no real, you know, one-off secret. I'm not a... uh, guru here to say, buy my book and, and, you know, 50 ways to learn how to be better at rejection, because there isn't, everybody's going to handle rejection differently. But you have to start asking yourself, you know, I've been talking with this dominant, um, or I've been talking with this submissive, I'm getting to know them. And every time I bring something up, I'm feeling this angst, I'm feeling this constant rejection, I'm taking a hit upon myself. Well, Maybe we have to, again, like I mentioned before, we have to start looking at what we're saying, what we're asking. Is even what we're saying within our purview to do? I don't talk to a new submissive that has never been on a St. Andrew's cross, strapped down, blindfolded, then get electrocuted and beat with palm fronds when she's not even a masochist, let alone that might scare her, right? So, of course... If she turns the other direction and runs off, not only have I potentially maybe sent somebody who was coming into the community off running, screaming in the opposite direction, I've taken a hit to who I am and the things that I practice and enjoy, because then I may end up believing that there is something wrong with me, when in fact there's nothing wrong with me, but it's just part of my delivery. Now, however, if I'm starting these negotiations and we're starting to talk and I'm starting to bring up, yep, I'm a, I'm a sadist um, and I have levels. Have you ever been involved in pain? And, you know, or what are your thoughts of being spanked or, or, you know, having your nipples clamped or a three-hour interrogation scene? And you allow somebody to come back at you with their thoughts, their feelings. And when we think, especially as men, that feelings don't have a place. This is one thing, another part that I tend to emphasize with men, that we have to learn to listen. We have to learn to not only hear what our partner's saying and understand what their experiences are, but then we have to understand our own. When we do all of that, we make ourselves a better partner. We can make ourselves a better dominant by doing this. We can, for male submissives, they can make themselves a better male submissive by learning how to be more responsive to their dominant that's in control by expressing themselves when they're allowed to express themselves. We, can't, we don't have to fear the way we are or the things we think just because we're worried about being hurt. What we truly create when we're in these spaces with people is through all of these complex negotiations that we're doing, through all these complex discussions and maybe getting to the point where we're going to do contracts, even to the point where someday down the road you're talking about collaring someone, there are people, there are actually submissives that don't want to be collared. It's not for them. They don't want to feel that ownership that's a different discussion completely different podcast but the reality is there are some people that do feel this way and we have to be accepting of this but what i do through all of these negotiations and what i'm trying to get across is that through the backwards or the back and forth give and take between two people what we end up learning is how to be more resilient how to learn to communicate effectively to eventually get across our point to the so in turn, we're not hurt by the answers that we receive. We're not offended, we are not angry. We just say, okay, you're not into that. You're not into this. No, I'm not into that. And in turn, we're also not hurting our partners. Over time, what this ends up doing for us, it allows, and studies have even started to back this. It allows us not only it raises our subjective well-being, not only are we get to the point that we are more conscientious of our partners and we learn to be more extroverted in our talking, We, we build our confidence through negotiations, we are also become open through releasing that neuroticism that we tend to hold on to. And when we do all of these things, when we start to let go, when we start talking to someone else and realize, hey, they're not into everything I am, but that's okay. And we have a saying in the fetish community where we talk about, you know, your kink is not my kink, but your kink is okay. Well, even through that, that acronym teaches us that rejection is okay. That we're not going to always get everything we want. And there's nothing wrong with that. That we don't have to go into a dynamic expecting the world. We're not going to definitely go into a dynamic after reading a terrible book like that. Or other literatica and just believing that that's the ideal. You know, taking that fantasy and it's going to translate. Most fantasy doesn't translate well into the real world. And there are consequences when we don't let it. When we carry... The idea of a fantasy and trying to translate it into the real world. We're going to be constantly uh, let down. We are going to constantly hit rejection. Not only do we have to understand that the lifestyle takes work. Being part of this the fetish community, you have to work at your craft. It's something that I have stood by for probably the last 10 years. Screaming at the, the rooftops. That we have to learn to interact More with the community to be a part of it. 50%. And I recently wrote being, or, you know, being 50% into the community isn't enough. You have to do more. You can't expect the world to come to you. Or you're going to sit there and constantly say, Oh, well, I'm not, you know, the community doesn't want me and they're, they're rejecting me. Or you're going to start putting up excuses and you'll fall into the victim trap. And that's something that nobody really wants. So when you start again, as as you move forward through life, you look at all of these different things and you start to understand, you know what, hey, I am negotiating with someone. You know, this scene this week's not going to work. We don't have the time. It's not a personal attack. It's. Yep, it's a small rejection. I really wanted to, but it's not going to be this week. It's okay, because you might carry through that scene next week, and it could be even better. Don't fall into the traps or the waysides, believing that every time you are rejected, like we most people face in the the real vanilla world, that it's somehow an attack on your personal level, or who you are, or is reflective of who you are. Rejection is okay. Rejection does happen. And as you learn to process the, and, and navigate the difficult waters of the lifestyle, BDSM, and fetish community as a whole, that rejection should be something you should, in, in, you should in, expect to encounter. And there's nothing wrong with that. It's a valuable resource and tool for growth, acceptance, and evolving who you are. I'm not telling you to go out there and search for rejection and walk up to somebody that you know is going to reject you or do something to offend somebody so you reject it. That's not what I'm saying whatsoever. But I am saying that when you encounter rejection, learn from it. You don't have to necessarily embrace it, but what you should do is that take those things as a serious understanding for growth and that become a moment that you can learn from them and learn the art of communication, and how to eventually, you know, reach a point where you're happy and your partner is happy, where you're no longer giving up so much ground that you feel that that rejection is turning into something more. I know there's a lot to consider here, and I know there's a lot to think about, but that's kind of the point of all of this. So keep in mind, there's nothing wrong with being rejected. It's going to happen in every moment of life. But when it comes to this community, don't take it on a personal level. Take it as a way that's you can learn from it, you can grow from it, and make your dynamic or your future dynamics even better. Until next time, be safe and stay kinged.